Um, <clears throat> I had mixed feelings about the, the law. I had every feeling that has already been expressed about the law. Because the truth of the matter is, which was said, that when it says for the, the well-being of the mother, that is determined that it's um, for any reason. You know, if you've ever had a baby, I haven't. But I've been around some women that are having babies or about to have babies. And one of the reasons that they can give for the well-being of the mother is that an emotional one, if they emotionally can't handle having a baby, and that just about includes every mother I've ever known while she's having a baby. <laughs> if, if the mother could choose at the last minute whether she wants that baby or not, a lot of us wouldn't be here today. Not only would they, you know, you know how many people says I'm... Children, mothers say, I'm never doing this again. After, and yet they have another child, you know. So, also, I personally, and I appreciate what was said about uh, no blame cast on the mother that has had an abortion. I want to read to you something I wrote just recently. This was just, I don't even know really why, I know why I wrote it, but it wasn't necessarily sharing church. I was just doing it for my own self. Got to get my glasses there. I try to put them in such a way that they won't get caught on the wires. Sometimes I don't succeed. Uh, <clears throat> I title is Who Am I? I'm not talking about me specifically. I'm giving you a quiz. Two men or two women. Take your pick. I, I'm going to use the word man as for mankind. Men and women case for some of you that I have to be politically correct. Man A, I am greater than the greatest man born of woman. Man B, I am the least of all saints. Man A, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Man B, I am formed in the lowest parts of the earth. Man A, I am exalted above the stars. Man B, I am so down I'm not able to look up. Man A, I am more than the greatest of all subduers. Man B, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. 
Mene, I am without distress. Man B, I am troubled on every side. Man A, I am, uh, I am not forsaken. Man B, I'm in, I'm un, I am troubled on every side. Man A, I am not, I am not destroyed. Man B, I am cast down. Man A, I'm never in despair. Man B, I am perplexed. Man A, I am alive. Man B, I am dead. Who am I? Who am I? That's right. It's the same man. It's the same person. It's you. It's me. Man A, I am a lion. Man B, I am a lamb. A lot of this was taken out of 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You might start, it starts with verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of God, earthen vessel, treasure, Christ, earthen vessel, the body, me. He says, I, we have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of man. And it says, most of these things, a lot of these things I was just saying, not all of them. But right at the end it says, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. So as the scripture said, that's in, actually found in Psalm 116 besides Second uh, Corinthians 4. Uh, I wrote one more down. I am the light of the world. Man A, Man B, I'm in darkness. <laughs> and these things are true. I've talked on a series, and I really haven't finished the series uh, because I have more to say about it, but I talked on the series where Jonathan Edwards was changed just by seeing the reality of who Christ is. And it's from Rome. Revelation 5, when John was in heaven, taken out in the spirit, and he was in heaven. And he saw the book that needed to be opened. And they said, no man can open the book. And he began to weep. And an angel says, no need to weep. Uh, the Lion of Judah is able to, the Lion of Judah on the throne is able to open the book. And he looked towards the throne, and sitting on the throne was a lamb. Now, how many of you have read uh, uh, Matthew 21 and 22? Okay, three of you, four, five. 
six. I feel like I'm asking. I, I used this a couple of weeks ago, but Ray Ramos was uh, taking quite a while. And then he said, uh, would somebody here give me five more minutes? And about a dozen people raised their hands, and he says, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 40. So uh, I want you to study Matthew 20, not just this, but Matthew 21 and 22 and the chapters leading up to the crucifixion. Matthew 21 and 22 are what takes place on the day of, of uh, what they call as uh, Palm Sunday, and then the day after. They, there were two days that Jesus goes in and he preaches in the temple. A lot of things happen in the temple. Matthew 21 and 22. I also like for you to read John 14, chapter 14 through uh, 17. All of this has to do that is transpiring is transpiring during the week before his crucifixion. And we're going to talk about what that all means. But the first thing we see is when he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. We're going to read that later and talk about it. And the first thing he does when he gets in the temple is to beat the money changers out of the temple. And these both were uh, scriptures that were fulfilled uh, in the Old Testament. But you see the quality of Jesus coming in on a donkey, a quality of humility. And you see him, you see the characteristics of a lamb. Because this was not the character, the the way kings came into the city. But he comes in on a donkey. Then when you see him beating the money changers out of the temple, he has the characters and qualities of a lion. One of the best two places. But um, at any rate, um, I said I had mixed feelings about this law that was just signed into place. Now, my first feeling is just I don't know. I, I, I feel just outrage. The very idea of taking a baby, as was said by the governor of Virginia, which is the same situation, taking a baby born, putting it on the side, and deciding whether to let it live or die. And you may say, well, that's just in extreme cases. That is not in extreme cases. You know, one of the most evil kings that ever lived, Manasseh, grandson of Hezekiah, 50 years. He took the country of Israel right into worshiping idols. And they used to have a god where he would have his arms out and they would burn get the arms red hot. It was made of metal, red hot. And they would take the babies and put them on them as a sacrifice, living babies. And that's basically 
maybe all that abortion is. <laughs> for the, for the, nobody has ever in the history of mankind said that a baby that was threatening the life of the mother, you know, there was never a question about that. But babies that are, that's not, that's not the why people get abortions. People get abortions because it's inconvenient to have that baby. Now, the mixed feelings that I have is that here's the, here's the problem that I have with the outrage of the law. You think, what are you going, where are you going from next? See, I've always thought, and I believe with all my heart, that once that baby is conceived and in the womb, and uh, can be found to be alive, alive in the womb, it's just as outrageous to kill that baby then. That's what my problem is. It's like, what's the difference? Now, <clears throat> I read this before because I have a, a couple of places in here that I was uh, like, I am more than the greatest of subduers. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. The other one is, I'm the least of all saints. And I, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to sin, I am the chiefest of all sinners. And the least of all saints. This is what Paul actually said about himself. And I'm not even, that's the only place I might be able to compare myself to Paul. As the least of all saints. And I honestly believe that Paul really wanted every person to see that truth about their own lives. I said the greatest man born of, of, I'm greater than the greatest man born of woman. That's what Jesus said about me and about you. She says, there's never been a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's the difference between of being under grace and under the law. And I totally believe that he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, as we heard earlier in the prophecy, is absolutely true. We're not under the law, but I don't want to go. I can go into explaining the controversy. I have perceived in my 42 years of being a pastor and have known of a few women that had gotten abortions. And I know some, now there's probably a whole lot that I don't know. That I, that I know, I just don't know that they have gotten an abortion, but I've known. And I also have perceived 
many, many times that they struggle with that a great deal. I don't, God is a forgiver. He forgives. David murdered a man, Uriah. God forgave him. Moses murdered a man. God forgave him. You know, just just aside, one time Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said, would you ever divorce, have you ever felt like divorcing your husband? And she said, no. Killing him, yes. <laughs> she says, what? And she said, well, you know, God, God will forgive me for killing him. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> I just want you to know that we should, we should be outraged about what this is about to happening. But I think we've grown, and I speak for myself first, complacent about the other. Before, the other trimesters, before this, this one. Uh, they're just, the ones, you know, the, the truth is, and this is the way I see it, and you don't have to agree with me, but this is the way I see it. That the truth of the matter is that you abort that baby once it's been conceived, it's murder. Now that's my, my belief if, if I'm being harsh. But I've done some pretty bad things in my life. Jesus says if you hate your brother, it's murder. So you got nothing to judge in a person. I think it's more harder that they judge themselves. More harder. Uh, Yeah. It's more better, you know. Harder on themselves. Because I do not hold any condemnation to anybody that's had an abortion. I don't. Um... God forgives. But I'm also aware that that can have a very big strain on their forgiving themselves for it. And so, you know, ladies that have gone that route in the church need to be loved and forgiven by the church as well. But that's not, we do not forgive by lessening the the crime. I was listening to a Christian radio today and says, Jesus is the greatest lawyer of all time. The greatest advocate of all time. Here we are, have done the crime And he's, as a lawyer and advocate, he gives us declared not guilty. The interesting thing, though, is for us to have him as a lawyer, we have to declare ourselves as guilty. Guilty is charged. And God says, now, 
punishment. And God, Jesus said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on a minute. And he took on, a, took on that sin for us. There is no sin that's... Where, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But I've seen it so time, so many times when ladies struggled with that. And uh, we have a, a lady that has, would like to share a little bit about that. I, I decided to let the children go first. Um, and, uh, but uh, Ginger Butler would like to share something with you and I'd like for you to give her your attention and after this we're going to close with some prayer but I want you to study Matthew 21 and 22 all the way to the crucifixion really but 21 and 22 we're going to talk a lot about in the future Um. oh I'm sorry I didn't turn that on for you it's that middle button here thank you Um, a, a quick run to let you know. Um, I grew up as a Christian, and I went to uh, Pastor Farmer's Church when it was at uh, West End Community Chapter or uh, Community Baptist Church. Um, I was always a Christian. Um, I didn't have the struggles because it just didn't come on me. But then when I realized there was the Holy Spirit. Then I started having troubles, believe it or not. I got married a virgin. I was very proud of that, very proud. Unfortunately, my first husband was abusive and tried to kill me with a three fifty seven Magnum to my face. Uh, God protected me, but I got angry at God, blamed him. Why did you do this? I was a good little girl all my life, and look what you give me, someone that was so horrible. Later on in life, through that time, I fell away, of course, and sin became my life. I thought, Lord, I'm done playing the good little girl, and unfortunately, I did everything that, You know, I was so against. In that process, I became pregnant. I had already had a son from my first marriage, and I was struggling, struggling hard to try to support him and keep him safe. And uh, I just gave myself excuse after excuse of why I should not have this baby. Unfortunately, by friends saying, well, go to Planned Parenthood. They'll help you. They'll make everything okay. Well, you see, sin makes you dark, and you can't see the light because sin is so persuasive and tells you lie after lie after lie. And I believed the lie that I couldn't take care of my another child. I thought, you know, I kept hearing it in my head. You know, you can't do this. You're just, you're suffering now with this one, trying to survive, trying to be a good mother and work and do what you're supposed to do. 
but unfortunately, I believe the lies. But I said, I will not go to an abortion clinic. Well, hooray for me. Aren't I a good little girl? I went to the hospital. And I had a, a cesarean to actually go that way. And I thought, oh, isn't that wonderful? Unfortunately, as time went on, I saw pictures of what they do. And it just broke my heart. And I said, God, do not let this go away. Do not keep it in my heart that I can talk to one person and stop them from having an abortion. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Well, the Lord led an opening for me to speak to some almost 25 teenagers. And believe it or not, there was three of them in there that were thinking about it, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it. I kept saying, don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. And I've written many poetry about what happened because there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think about my child. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. But honestly, when you think common sense tells you, you put a seed in the ground, it starts to grow. Isn't it alive? It's growing. And a woman has a seed in her, her belly. It's growing. It's alive. It's not a protoplasm. It's not just this, that, or the other. And I'm, I'm right now, God is showing me how to write letters to the government. And I'm writing. I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm sending letters. I will not sit by and let this happen. And I'm really praying that other people will do the same because it's not something that, you know, I know I'm forgiven. I'm going to see that child. Thank God. But the point is, don't let things, don't be passive. Do not be passive, please. Even if you, you say, well, I would never do that. Well, good. That's great. Don't be passive. Share, write letters, call out whatever you have to do, but take that time not to be passive. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I really, I said, Lord, I've already went through this in another church. Why are you making me do it again? Because it's healing to you. It's healing because as a mother, and I love kids. I mean, I, I taught Sunday school and I just love them. They're just, I, they're crazy clackers, but I love them absolutely. And I'm just praying that in time that this, when I, when I watched some of the videos on the internet, I just sobbed. I just weeped and I weeped and I weeped. It's just so terrible how mankind is so null and dull in their head that they cannot see it as murder. I don't understand it. But I know that in the end times, people's minds will be dull because God will just let them go to where they choose to go because he's a gracious God. But let's, let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. Amen. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and say stuff like that. Um, I'm going to be quick here. 
Matthew 20, before 20, comes between before 21 and 25. He was, uh, Jesus was preaching and teaching. Uh, and most of that time, uh, it was in an area where near Bethany, because that's where he would stay when he was coming to Jerusalem. And Bethany was near another place called Bethphage or Bethphage. Bethphage. And um, Bethphage was like right at the foot of the Mount of Olives is where he would do the preaching and the teaching. And uh, anyways, he made a comment. He makes the statement in Matthew 20. And he says to the disciples, uh, he is going to, we're going to go to Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin is going to take him, turn him over to the Gentiles, and they're going to mock him and scour- scourge him, whip him. And, uh, and he goes through all these things that are going to happen. Um, there were seven major festivals that were celebrated over a period of a year. Three of those festivals was actually took place during the Passover or the, and there after the Passover, uh, there was the first fruits the day after the Passover. And then 50 days later, or 49 days later after the first fruits was uh, Pentecost. In three of the festivals, the three major festivals, there was, uh, well, all of the festivals for that matter, they would celebrate, uh, and when they would come into the, the synagogue, synagogues, they would use certain scriptures from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, and they were mostly taken from chapter 13 to verse 8, to chapter 18, and most of them were taken from out of chapter 18. And they would have these uh, responsive readings. For example, in the three major festivals that they would use, chapter 18 was the Passover festival and the Pentecost festival and the festival of tabernacles, which was at another time. But Jesus fulfilled all the, all the feasts, all the festivals. And uh, for example, on the Passover festival, or all three of them, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, they were celebrating how they were kept in the, what the children of Israel were kept in the wilderness as they roamed around for 40 years. Uh, and they lived under tents. And part of the celebration was, is that they would take uh, uh, what they call lullabs, or palm branches with the leaves on them, they would bring it into the synagogue at the end of the week of festivities uh, from underneath their, uh, they lived under these tents, these lean-tos for a, a week. They would bring them in and they would wave them in the synagogue and then they would have responsive and the, the priest would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is taken from Psalm 18. 
118. Uh, and even the name of Lullab's became Hosanna after that. Lullab is a palm leaf. leaf. They would wave those. And the priest would sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, when Jesus came in uh, to, on the, on the uh, Palm Sunday, and he came in riding a donkey, they, they spread their coats before him, and they would wave. They cut down palm branches, and they would wave them, and the people would sing Hosanna. And it carried over into when, the, they went, when Jesus went into the temple. And it would carry over and they would raise the palm branches and sing Hosanna. So when the priest came to Jesus in Matthew 21 and said, do you not hear what these people are doing? It wasn't that they were just praising him. That would have been enough. But they were doing something that the priest normally did. Hosanna, Hosanna. Um, I just want to put this up. This is, I'm going to move into communion with this. I, I'm going to let you take it over, but let's go to Matthew uh, 18, verse 22. There are many quotes from the Old Testament and, uh, that Jesus made in Matthew 21 and 22. And one of the first ones is, is, is uh, where the priest uh, say, do you not hear what these people are saying? And uh, they, he says, have you never read out of Matthew 8, uh, Psalm 8, verse 2? Uh, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. But then there's this other reason that the priests are upset about, is them, them saying, Hosanna, because that's my job. See, the priest thought, well, what's happening here is there, Matthew 21 and 22 is, uh, well, the whole week is a, the most transition period, transitional period in the history of mankind. It's leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. But during that week, there are many, many parables that are shed, uh, uh, given, many, many uh, themes that were brought out. And, the, and I want you to, I just want to tell you this because I want you to start looking for it if you study these, Matthew 21 and 22. You see the transition is going from Israel to the Gentiles. And most of the parables are about Jesus, I came to my own and my own received me not. And then he's, go, go, he's going to the Gentiles. And this thing with their rave, and they're singing, the, the, the people are saying, Hosanna, is a transition back to what God originally planned when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And what his original plan was, is that every family would be, uh, have access to God. And that that access, they would be uh, represented by the firstborn of the family. In the Passover, for example, when they had the first Passover was the death angel passing over them in Egypt. 
Every family had to have their own lamb. It was represented by Jesus Christ as the sacrificial lamb. And so this transition that is tra- uh, taking place is, and nobody likes transition. I just heard some amazing things that the average family in America moves five, a minimum of five times before, you know, as a family. Oh, I moved a whole lot more than that. Maybe I brought that average up. But they say a move, a move is just as much stress on a family as a death in the family. It's a tremendous amount of stress. This was the biggest. Can you imagine these priests suddenly realizing they're losing their job? And the people, and it's given to the people. Because they're waving and saying Hosanna, and they say they're no, they know they're losing their job. Well, the, another verse that is quoted in there is talking about the body of Christ, and he makes this statement, and he quoting this, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until, I'm sorry, Matthew 1, 18. I mean, did I say Matthew 18? I apologize. Psalm 118. I didn't even get the chapter or the book right. I'm so sorry, Rakesh. My bad. 1822 until seven times. Oh, that's a good verse, though. Somebody, God just said there's something that you need to hear in that seven times 70. You need to forgive your brother seven times 70. So there was a word in there for you. Verse 22. Verse 22. Okay. The stone the builders rejected or refused has become the headstone of the corner. Now that's talking about the temple of, of, the, uh, of the body of Christ. We're the temple of the Lord. And it says we, in, in Ephesians 2, we, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And the stone the builders, the cornerstone the builders, you can read about it also in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. But he says the stone, hold on, the stone the builders refused has become the headstone. Now that was in there, and it was because there was something that had been passed down historically, but there's no record of it, except that there was a stone that was refused. And I've heard many stories about how that happened. One of them is that the, the stone, uh, the makers, the cutters, the guys that hewn the stones out, got this stone that they thought was impossible to use in the temple, and they put it aside. Another one is, is they had, uh, and then later on they found out this is perfect, for the headst- uh, for the cornerstone of the foundation, I've heard somebody teach that the cornerstone was at the top, but uh, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being. I don't see where they can get that at all. And uh, anyway, another one is is all the stones were the the had to be hewn and quarried off of site. So that there would be no sound of uh, chisel or hammer. 
at the site of the temple building. And so what happened was, is they would, the, the architects would tell the stones, you need this, and he would have them number them. But for some reason, they sent over a stone that wasn't numbered. And so they said, that's just a mistake. And so they threw it aside. And then when they got to the time for the cornerstone, they said to the quarrymen, they said, you haven't sent the cornerstone. He said, oh, we sent that over a long time ago. And they started, what? and then they said, what? That, and they brought that, so they found the stone. It had been grown over and everything, and they found it and brought it back. And it fit perfectly as, as the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ. And you can read all about the New Testament as far as that being used. But Jesus quotes this thing in Matthew 21. He quotes this verse. And uh, here's some more thing. Now let's go along, and I'm not going to spend more time on this. this we're going to go right into communion. But this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. He's, he quotes that verse as well. I keep going. This is the day. Now, many of you, and this is perfectly all right, all right, to wake up every morning and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. We rejoice and are glad. That's not what this psalm, this psalm meant. It's, it, it's, it's, it's okay to look at it that way and to believe and to do that. It's a matter of fact, it's a great idea. But this, what this says is this, this day. The day that Jesus is there. This day, he's saying, become the headstone of the corner. This day, you know, that's going to happen is the greatest day of all time. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Next verse. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. And this is one of those... uh, Areas that have taken from translated into the Greek and then back into the to what they did in the temple. Save us now, O Lord, which is what Hosanna means. Save us now, O Lord. Next verse. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Next verse. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. And we're going to stop with this one. Leave it up after. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Now, what's absolutely astonishing about this is the day of the Lord's table, the supper, Lord's supper. They would have been uh, complying to to, to what they would do in the temple or in the synagogues on the celebration of the Passover. You've heard it also called the Paschal Lamb. That, that is a Hebrew word, Paschal. It means sacrificial. The Paschal Lamb. And so it says what they would be doing, as, and they would have this, they would be singing these songs, because psalms were meant to sing. They're songs. And they would be singing these songs. And you, we all have heard, for example, that when Jesus, John 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, knowing that Judas was going to be the one that betrayed him. He knows this, and he washes his feet. Then at the supper table, 
you know, where he says, uh, he t- turns to, there's a couple of things, he that sops with me, and then he turns to Judas, and what you have to do, go do now, do quickly. And he goes and betrays him. There's so much there, I'm not going to talk about it. But he is, and you know that he goes in the Garden of Gethsemane, and says, Lord, if it could pass from me. Now here's something else. Jesus, the Son of God, God, is sweating great drops of blood, perspiring so much that the capillaries on his face are breaking and blood is pouring out of the capillary because of the pressure of what he's got about to have to do. This is, this is on Good Friday. And he says, if this could pass from me. It also says that in Hebrews 12, Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So he had joy unspeakable and full of glory, because that's what we are given when we see the gospel and believe it. He had joy. At the same time, he had such great pressure. Not be, I, I don't believe it's because of the, 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 the scourging or, the, or the, even the crucifixion, although it would, it's enough. But what was really the part is where he's going to be separated from his father. For eternity past, he had, not, had perfect communion with his father. And now he's going to be separated from him. And that's why sweat. So you have a, a mixture. I believe that God was going through the same thing in heaven. God the Father is going through the same thing in heaven. The joy that is set before him because of many sons brought to glory, but the sacrifice and the separation of his son. And when Jesus is sweating great drops of blood, I believe the Father is sweating great drops of blood. In 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 uh, exa- you know in in illustration or and so, <clears throat> but they're also the the Bible says in Isaiah fifty three, which is all about the crucifixion, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, him being Christ and Father the Lord. It pleased him to bruise him. Uh, it's just it's 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 also kind of a picture of the combination of the lion and the lamb. Now, what's this interesting about this one verse? God is the Lord, which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords. They would be singing this just hours away from the sacrificial lamb being bound. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's like, I heard a whole teaching from Tim Keller one time about John, the second chapter, and I I, I love it. I love it. I just love it. Where they ran out of wine, and the mother, Jesus' mother comes to him and says, we're out of wine. Could you do something? And he says, mother, what a... What have I to do with thee? My time is not yet. Oh, there's a whole sermon on just this whole, what I just said. So I'm not going to preach it to you. you. Give you something else to thank God for right now. 
But, but what he said was, it wasn't because of what she was saying specifically. It's because of Jesus thinking of what a wedding is all about. And thinking about his wedding and what he was going to have to do to have his wedding. Which was, he's going to have to die. Well, if that's true then, and I, I, I think I agree with him, it's not proven. I agree with him. If that's true then, how much more so would it be true when he would be singing with his disciples, bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar? Now, we also know the, the, the contrast between the Garden of Gethsemane because when he, when he was breaking bread with them at the Lord's table, he says, with great delight have I looked forward to this moment, knowing that just hours from then, he's going to be crucified. You see, is that astonishing as to you as it is to me? And he's singing this, these words. He's singing about his own death. And they don't get it. Even afterwards in Matthew 20, when he says, before Palm Sunday, he says, I'm going to be turned over and scourged. I, I was listening to a Chuck Smith tape about that. And, and he says that was, they had levels of scourgings. And what, uh, 39 stripes, but they had levels. You could like hit them. If this was just a, you know, a warning and a punishment, you, you could hit them a little softer. But what they would do, level four punishment is what Jesus went through, was because he would not admit to his sin, to what well, he had none, they would first hit you, and it would be something, you know, Jim Caviezel got one little thorn on his, in a, in a rib, while they were doing the scene of beating him and he was in the passion of Christ. And he had to go to the hospital about it. He says, I've never been in so much pain in all my life. Just one little old barb flew around his metal back and went around and caught him in the rib. And he says, and he was, most people didn't leave, uh, live through a level four scourging because it would hit you one time and say, confess. You know, confess your sin. And if they would, the scourging would stop. But then they would hit you again and hit it harder. Confess. And you can stop this. I, I, I have to admit, uh, if my track record is true, I would probably start confessing before, while the guy was like this for the first time, you know. But he would just hit him harder. Confess. Harder and harder to get him to confess. And he knows that. And he knows that. He tells them. He tells his disciples that. Just days before the supper. And he sings of his own sacrifice. (laughs) 
That's too much. Too much for for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, last week, I believe, maybe week before last, I made the comment that you know you're really walking right with the Lord when you have no longer think that God owes you and you realize that God owns you. And so many Christians and even unbelievers think that God owes them. God doesn't owe you a thing. Everything he does is out of mercy and grace. Grace is undeserved favoritism. God owns you. God owns us. So as we break bread here today, be mindful of that. And be mindful. Just just let your, your imagination, I can only imagine, let your imagination place yourself there and know what our Lord and Savior is going through. And he's going through it alone and betrayed and forsaken. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Hallelujah. May we be mindful that we are, first of all, we are bought with a price. And because we're bought with a price, we belong to God. We belong to you, Jesus. We belong to you, Heavenly Father. You don't owe us anything. You are loving and want to do things for us, but you don't owe it to us. No, we owe you everything. As it is to me. And he's singing these words. He's singing about his own death. And they don't get it. Even afterwards in Matthew 20, when he says, before Palm Sunday, he says, I'm going to be turned over and scourged. I I was listening to a Chuck Smith tape about that. and, And he says that was... They had levels of scourgings and what, uh, 39 stripes, but they had levels. You could like hit them. If this was just a, you know, a warning and a punishment, you, you could hit them a little softer. But what they would do, level four punishment is what Jesus went through was because he would not admit to his sin, to what well, he had none. They would first hit you, and it would be something, you know, Jim Caviezel got one little thorn on his, in a, in a rib while they were doing the scene of beating him and he, in the Passion of Christ, and he had to go to the hospital about it. He said, I've never been in so much pain in all my life. Just one little barb flew around his metal back and went around and caught him in the rib. And he says, it and he was, most people didn't leave, uh, live through a level four scourging because it would hit you one time and say, confess, you know, confess your sin. 
And if they would, the scourging would stop. But then they would hit you again and hit it harder. Confess. And you can stop this. I, I, I have to admit, uh, if my track record is true, I would probably start confessing before while the guy was like this for the first time, you know. But he would just hit him harder. Confess. Harder and harder to get him to confess. And he knows that. And he knows that. He tells them. He tells his disciples that. Just days before the supper. And he sings of his own sacrifice. (sighs) That's too much. Too much for for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, last week, I believe, maybe week before last, I made the comment that you know you're really walking right with the Lord when you have no longer think that God owes you and you realize that God owns you. So many Christians and even unbelievers think that God owes them. God doesn't owe you a thing. Everything he does is out of mercy and grace. Grace is undeserved favoritism. God owns you. God owns us. So as we break bread here today, be mindful of that. And be mindful. Just just let your, your imagination, I can only imagine, let your imagination place yourself there and know what our Lord and Savior is going through. And he's going through it alone and betrayed and forsaken. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Hallelujah. May we be mindful that we are, first of all, we are bought with a price. And because we're bought with a price, we belong to God. We belong to you, Jesus. We belong to you, Heavenly Father. You don't owe us anything. You are loving and want to do things for us, but you don't owe it to us. No, we owe you everything. Everything. 